The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. A little over a year ago, we had a little bundle of joy. Uh, was born to us. His name is Yehoshua Aaron. And um, he came out uh, into this beautiful world. And uh, thank the good Lord. We were blessed. We were blessed. And we are continuing, my wife and I are continuing to be blessed with, uh, with uh, a number of beautiful children. If you pay attention, you'll figure out how many throughout the, the talk. And um, all right, everything's wonderful. This is December 16th, 2018. December 16th, 2018. For those who need the Hebrew date, it's saying, so anyway, <laughs> I'm totally blanking on the date. Fine, but the point is, December, for, for everyone to understand, December 16th, 2018. And uh, baby's born, I go home after... Uh, to make sure everything's okay with the kids and whatever. And then I'm going to uh, pick up my wife from the hospital. She was there for about a day, a little day, a little more than a day, day and a half or so, maybe two days, maybe three, you have to ask her. And what ends up happening is I get, I get the, the following message when I'm on my way back to go, pick up, to go pick up my baby. This is the message I get from my wife. Uh, his sutures are closed on his head which means he needs a neurosurgeon. They know Dr. Levine. That part's not relevant. I decided to keep the stuff in so it looks like a real message, but it actually is. So I wrote serious, and then they said it's not very serious. Now, it's funny. I didn't notice till still right now. I didn't mean, is it serious? I meant, are you serious? That's what I meant. But my wife isn't really the one that would be like, hey, let's get a neurosurgeon. <laughs> Just kidding. It doesn't, doesn't really her type to do that. But they said he'd probably need surgery, hang on, can't talk with the doctors and all that stuff. Now, I, I don't, you have to understand, whenever you, you talk about idea of, of medicine, a baby's just born, it's, it's a time of joy and simcha. And now you say that, hey, you, your kid needs a neurosurgeon. And then you throw in the concept, and then she threw in the words when I spoke to her, pediatric neurosurgeon. You have to understand that if you throw the word pediatric into anything, it makes it, you know, scary. You could say pediatric pizza and you freak out. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you're saying, right? But the guy's like, yeah, you need a neurosurgeon. I'm like, okay, wonderful. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And I think, like, what does that mean exactly that you need a neurosurgeon? So what ended up happening is as follows. When, when the, they were going to discharge the baby at the, very, at the very end of the hospital visit, you know, to have the beautiful baby, as they were going to discharge the baby, they, uh, they check, they do the final check, you know, just to see everything's okay, whatever it may be. And my wife happened to be there. And, you know, as they're checking, they get to the head, and they, the one doctor says to the other one, hey, uh, this is in Israel, so I don't really know the doctor's name, so I'm going to make them up. And one doctor goes, uh, Yaron. I don't know if that's a name. But he goes, uh, you know, bo, 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 rega, bo, rega. So my wife says, what's the problem? What's the issue? I said, eh, okay. It is okay. Yaron, bo, 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 lo And, uh, Okay, you know, just uh, let's let's see. She goes, you know, I speak Hebrew. It's okay. He lo medaberet. Is it beseder? Right? I may, I'm making all this up, but the point is, is that they go and they check, and then they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. It's a good thing my wife isn't here to correct anything. So, so anyway, what ends up happening is that 
My wife says, what's the problem? They said, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. You just maybe take him to a doctor. So my wife says, well, what, what is it? Is it the, uh, his sutures? Are his sutures closed? So the doctors look at him and say, what? Well, how would you know what that is? So he says, never mind. Are they closed? They go, yeah, but how would you know? So I want to take you back six years ago. Six years ago on February 11th, 2014, which happened to be Adar, we had a beautiful baby. This baby, his name is Yona. And when Yona was born, after he was born, he was born the day before, the day before Purim. Is that true? That's not true. He was born a month before Purim because there were two Adars. I knew something didn't make sense there. So he was born a month before Purim. And at the two-week checkup, the doctor says, this is six years ago. He's now six, as you can see. The, uh, the doctor says, come back in two weeks. Come back in two weeks because we need a, we need a you know, I want to check him. So my wife says, what does that mean, come back in two weeks? Why come back in two weeks? She says, no, I just want to check something. She goes, well, what? What is it? What do you want to check? He goes, no, we just, I just need to check if his sutures are closed or not. Now, for those who are confused, I'm going to explain what that means in a minute. But he goes and says, like, what, what does that mean? Sutures closed. So, of course, what ends up happening? Just, just come back in two weeks. We'll check. So we went home, and we immediately asked our Rav, you know. And <laughs> our, our, rabbi, our rabbi taught us tremendous amounts about ideas about sutures and about metapic sutures and about... Uh, sagittal sutures and, uh, and all different types of sutures. And we read up all about it, we read up all about it, but come to realize the fact that essentially Hashem is setting up the pieces. Hashem is getting everything ready. You know, the, the Chazal teach us that before there's going to be any sort of challenge, there'll always be the antidote. You'll, you'll you'll have the refuah before the mak. Before any sort of pain, everything will be in place. So Hashem is already setting up the pieces. Now again, forgive me, I've never given this presentation, and I literally just finished it before I walked in, so I don't know what's next. Okay, there we go. Oh, Hashem is setting up the pieces. <laughs> Hashem is setting up. So okay, we went back to the doctor. We went back two weeks later, six years ago, five years, two weeks later, and we went to the doctor. The doctor, we brought the Shalach Manos. When we brought Shalach Manos, the doctor looked and said, oh, it's which doctor? Anyone know the name? Dr. Levine, you're paying attention, good. So Dr. Levine went ahead and checked the baby's head as we are doing Shalach Mos, and she said, it's okay, you know, the sutures are fine, they're not closed, they're open, it's okay. But that implanted something. Fast forward six years later, they're checking the baby. And when they're checking the baby, they go and they say, oh, Yaron, yeah? And then my wife says, what is it, the sutures? They go, what? How do you know what's going on? The answer is, yeah, okay, yeah, it's the sutures. So she says, well, what's, what, what's the issue? Do, you know, my wife starts asking like a million questions. What is he going to need? They say, yeah, okay, he's probably going to need surgery, but it's okay. You can deal with it. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. It's okay. Don't worry. So he said, okay, well, where do you deal with it? What do you do? He said, well, you need two surgeons, really. You need a neurosurgeon pediatric pizza, and you need a very small pizza, and you need a plastic surgeon, neurosurgeon and a plastic surgeon. You need both. So he said, okay, well, where do you do it? You could do it uh, at this hospital. That you could do it in Hadassah, Hadassah and Karim. She says, well, in Hadassah, what do they have? Who's there? They said, oh, they have, a, they have a plastic surgeon there. Very good. So my wife goes, who's that? Is that uh, Margolis? So they go, 
how do you know Margolis? So 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, February 14th, nine years ago, February 14th, 2011, which happened to be Adar. Everybody's catching a little theme here. 10 years ago, nine years ago, I'm bad with the math here. We had a, we have a beautiful daughter. I mean, she wasn't born then like this, but uh, she was born a couple of years earlier. <laughs> She's four years old in this picture. Her name is Shira. Now, Shira is four years old. I get a phone call from my wife that she's got to come home quickly. And the way I used to transport back in the day, and at least in this time, I used to have a bike, not an electric one because they didn't exist. I had, you know, a bicycle and I used to ride. And I'm riding my bike and I'm going as fast as I can and I get to what happened to Gan to her school. What happened was is my daughter was playing in Gan and there was a chair, a metal chair, and the chair got separated from the, the metal base. Yeah, and the kids started crying immediately. I would also. And what happened was when, they, when, they, when it separated, it, it got pushed up and it cut my daughter on her forehead. Now... My wife is going to deny this, but again, maybe it's good she's not going to be right now. But she, she goes, Shiduchim. You know what I'm saying? What's going to be with Shiduchim? You know, he can't, you know, she has a cut on her forehead. He can't just, it wasn't like a simple, just nice little cut. It was, a, it was a nice picture. You know, it was like a nice little metal blot picture. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? So we said, okay, you know, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, we'll figure out what's going to happen. I call up a friend of mine. His name is Chaim Yagoda because I know that he has uh, his father-in-law works in Eretz Eretz Yisrael. He works in, uh, I think he's a surgeon of some sorts. And I said, what do we do? He said, go to Hadassah in Kerem and find Dr. Magolis because he's he's very, very good. And he's the head of, I think, I hope I'm getting this right, the head of pediatric plastic surgery there. We went there. Baruch Hashem, only 8,250 shekel later and six beautiful stitches, we, we, uh, we were able to solve the issue. Baruch Hashem. But, but don't worry, we did get back from insurance, about 12 shekel. But, uh, and we bought a Coke with it. Anyway, diet. <laughs> Who am I kidding? There was no Coke. It was Alcicola, right? Point is, is that okay? So now let's get back to uh, reality here. We see that Hashem... He's setting up the pieces. He's putting everything in the place where they need to be. So he comes back and they say, yeah, yeah, Dr. Margolis. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Okay, so we say, okay, what are we going to do? In the meantime, fine, my wife comes home. We say, what are we going to do? We got to deal with this. We also have to deal with the bris, right? You got to make a bris. And they weren't even sure if it was really the issue that they thought it was, this thing with the sutures, which they call craniosynostosis. They weren't even sure if that's what it was. It's a lovely nickname. They call someone, hey, craniosynostosis boy. Right? But they go, okay, fine. So they weren't even sure. We have to go to the doctor to see what's going on. And they end up to, we have to make a bris. So we go, and Baruch Hashem, we were blessed to make a bris, and able to make the bris by Rav Chaim Kenievsky. Rav Chaim Kenievsky, for those unfamiliar, is a Godel Ador, right? A tremendous, tremendous, a tremendous tzaddik, and Tamil Chacham lives in Bnei Brak. And when we went out, we brought to Rav Chaim Kenievsky, this is him by Rav Chaim. If you could see, Rav Chaim's hand is on his head. Because I, I don't know if he does it in other places. And I, I know that right before, and I told him what's going on. I said that we're not sure that maybe something with the head... And so he said, what do you think he said? Right? Bua, right? But he didn't say Bua. He said to me, he said to me, Rafua Shalema. 
ברוכה והצלחה שתזכו לגדלו לתורה לחופה למייסים טובים. Now, if you know who Rav Chaim Kanievsky is, that's not normal. You understand? He took, he took a whole 12 seconds for me, and that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I'm sure you know the story of Rav Chaim. Bua, for those unfamiliar, is an acronym for Bracha Vehatzlacha. So instead of saying Bracha Vehatzlacha, he says Bua. Just a shortened version, Bua. So there was once a very wealthy guy who came to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. He gave a lot of money. He came to him, and Rav Chaim turned to him, and he said, you know, he looks over, and he says, uh, Bua. And the guy goes, that's it? I give so much money, and all I get is a Bua? So Rav Chaim turned to him, and he said, Bua. Okay, if you want something more, bring a kid with craniosynostosis, right? So anyway, go ahead. And uh, it happened to be that that day was his 91st birthday. Now, it just dawned on me, 91 is Gematria Amen. Amen is Kel Melech Ne'eman. Little ideas, just little hints. We trust. Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem knows what's going on. 91st birthday, going on over here. And uh, okay, everything's good. Now, what's fascinating is that we were deciding, what are we going to name him? What are we going to name this kid? It was right when Rav Aaron Yehuda Leibsteinman had passed away, very, very recent to that time. And maybe we'll name him that. Only one problem. We have a son named Yehuda, so we can't call him Aaron Yehuda Leib. He said, okay, maybe we'll do Aaron Leib. My great-grandfather's name was Aaron also. And I like the name. I wanted that to do that also. Fine, we'll do that. Then my wife says to me when he was born, she calls me up when I was home before she had came back. She goes, you know, he doesn't look like an Aaron Leib. I said, what exactly does an iron label look like? like? Like, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't look like an iron label. So my daughter comes over to me. She goes, I know what you're going to name him. I'm like, yeah, what am I going to name him? She goes, you're going to name him Yehoshua Aaron. I said, yeah, okay. Yehoshua Aaron. Now, Aaron was one of the names. It was interesting. We're, we're contemplating Aaron, but Yehoshua wasn't even a thought. I said, why would you say that? She said, I had a dream last night that you named him Yehoshua Aaron, or I forgot the second name. Maybe I wrote it down. She said another name is either Yehoshua Aaron or, or, another, or another name that's going to go on over there. Okay. I was speaking with my Rav. We're trying to figure out what are we going to name him? Because he doesn't look like Aaron Leib. Everyone knows that. So in the end, we decided that we're going to name him Yoshua Aaron. Nothing to do with my daughter's dream. My Rav said, you know, it's a good name because, you know, he's going through something now. And Yoshua, Hashem should, Hashem should help. Hashem should save. It should be a Yeshua. Yoshua Aaron, your name is okay. So he said, okay, that's not a bad name. And then I remember when it happened, my daughter telling me, not only one daughter, two daughters said it. Two daughters had said it. Maybe they convened with my Rav. But the point is that they decided what's going to happen over there. All right, so we go ahead. We had the bris. Baruch Hashem, everything was successful with that. We move on. What ends up happening then? We got a little bit further. We go to the doctor, December 25th, whatever that may be. But that was the day we went. And uh, you know what December 25th is? It's my other daughter, Adina's birthday. And uh, Dr. Levine confirms, yeah, it's uh, craniosynostosis. Now, what in the world is craniosynostosis? Allow me to explain. I hope I get this right, doctor. All right, here we go. So we know that this is an aerial view of a skull. A skull is your head, right? The hard part. 
Now, if you have different areas that's going on over there, if you can notice the, the, front, uh, the frontal bones and metopic sutures, and I'm not going to even try to read the rest, but there's stuff going on over there. Now, one of them, you see on the right side, one, two, three down, it says a sagittal suture. It's that one that goes from the fontanelle, that little soft spot. You know that spot that everyone's like, be careful. Don't touch the soft spot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Someone hands the baby. Oh, it's a good thing you told me because I was about to go, whoosh. Like, what do you think I'm going to do? Like, like, no, it's soft, you know? Anyway, all right, that's called the fontanelle. Now, from the fontanelle, going back, that, that little suture, the suture means these openings over there, that's called the sagittal suture. This is another view of it, if you want to take a look from an actual CT scan of, of what it looks like. That little red thing is called the sagittal suture. What happened with our beautiful baby is that this suture is meant to be a suture. It's meant to be open. The skull is not meant to be fused together. As you see, they have those lines going across. Those lines are meant to be there. And the reason they're meant to be there is an opening. And therefore, when the brain starts to grow, then it starts to push open the skull. And as it pushes open the skull, then it starts to grow and so on and so forth. This goes on for a number of years. I hope I'm right. I believe this goes on until you're in your late teens and early 20s that it continues to grow. And then it solidifies, hardens, and then that's what it is. But all right, the problem was that he had this one, that little red line that was fused together. Now, what's the problem? The problem is that now the brain when it tries to push, it can't push. It's not able to push out this way. It could only push out front and back. It can't go side to side. So what happens is that the head starts to grow very long and narrow. What's the problem with that? Well, number one, it looks a little different. But besides it looking a little different and just aesthetically is the problem that could arise, doesn't have to, but it could arise, be very dangerous, is that it can put pressure on the brain Repression on the optic nerve, and it can cause major issues. God forbid it can cause some major issues. So you may have to do some things, which may be something called surgery. So this is essentially what ends up happening. We get thrown into this world of darkness. So wonderful. We have this thing. Hashem is setting with the pieces. We heard of something called craniosynostosis. And by we, I mean my wife, you know, because we asked Rabbi Google. And we have this familiarity. We go back five, six years. We go back 10 years. You come back. And all of a sudden, vice, very good. But now what? What do we do practically? How do we deal with this circumstance, this situation? So in comes a good friend of mine. We're going to go back now. 23 years ago. 23 years ago, I met a fellow by the name of Ira Savetsky. Ira Savetsky uh, was a classmate of mine. We were in school together 23 years ago when we were getting our postdoctorates on uh, neuro-synchronizing fish. And whatever, high school. And, and basically, we were, we were very good friends. We were very close friends. We lost touch. We had lost touch, but then we regained touch a few years ago, about four or five years ago. I look back, I have messages when he was in 2015, 16, and, and I see he was studying in Israel to become a doctor, and then he ended up in NYU, and he was uh, learning plastic surgery. So I say, okay, Ira, um, I, I send him a message, and I say to him, you know, he's got a problem. This is December 26th, December 27th, because it's the end of 26th, beginning of 27th. It was at night, late at night. I send him a message. I say, I got to speak to you. So he says to me, okay, no problem. Call me in a few minutes. So I call him in a few minutes, and I say, craniosynostosis, sagittal sutures, go. So he goes, what do you want to know? I'm like, you've heard of this? 
He's like, of course I heard of this. This is, you know, one of the major surgeries that we do. I don't major like it's a major surgery. One of the surgeries that is done in NYU in particular, a lot of people around the world and around the United States will come to NYU to go out and get it done. He says, okay, uh, so what do you want to know? I'm like, well, tell me about it. He's like, okay, it occurs in one in every approximately 17 or 1,800 babies. One in every 1,800 babies. Chai, oh my goodness. <laughs> one in every 1,800 babies. And, uh, all right, sagittal is one of the most common ones. It is not so complicated. And what else do you want to know? I said, listen, my wife and I looked into some surgeons. We don't know who's good and who's not good. Maybe surgeons know surgeons. Can I give you the names of the surgeons? And can you go ahead and maybe go ahead and tell me if they're good or they're bad? So he said, listen, you can tell me. So I tell him the names. He goes, I don't know. But I have someone who I work under. And someone who I work under, his name is Dr. David Staffenberg. Okay, he's a, he's, a, he's a doctor, he's a plastic surgeon who works at NYU. He's been involved there for a while. So, so he said, this guy, I would trust, if I had any issues, I'd bring him to this. I mean, this guy is really good. I said, David Staffenberg, okay. You know, like when, you, when something sounds familiar, but you don't know why it sounds familiar, right? So it sounded familiar, and then I realized, King David, of course. <laughs> but then I realized the name, it just, okay, I don't know. It rang a bell, but I couldn't figure out where. Fine. It sounds Jewish, you know, David Staffenberg. I said, all right, find out for me and let me know what the story is. So he says, okay. <laughs> he, said, he calls me up after. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, yeah, what is it? He goes, I, uh, I went to Dr. Staffenberg, and I said the following. Listen to this. He said, Dr. Staffenberg, I have a good friend of mine. He is a big rabbi in Eishat Torah in Israel. And Dr. Staffenberg said, who? Rav Gav? <laughs> so he goes, what? And when he told me, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? How would he, what does that mean? So six years ago, this is Dr. David Staffenberg. Six years ago, it's my brother. Six years ago, I was invited to go to a, a place called Cancun, Mexico. The things I do for Klal Yisrael, I'm just, you know, it's rough, but I, I'm there for Klal Yisrael. Six years ago, I was invited to come to Cancun. I don't know what's next. There you go. It's, she's under three. Relax. It's a he. Anyway. So they go ahead. And uh, I was invited to Cancun. All right, we'll go back. And what happens? We're there. We're going for a Pesach program. Now, it was a very strange thing to get invited. I didn't even know who the guy was. His name was Jeremy. This guy who ran the program. How he got to me, he got to me from his sister-in-law, from this other woman, from the friend, from the community, from the thing, from the that. I'm like, all right, he calls me up. He's like, you want to come for Pesach? I said, where? He says, Cancun. I said, absolutely not. Why would I ever want that? He's like, really? I'm like, no, I'm in. You know, <laughs> it's like, now, I really didn't know if I'm in or I'm not in. I, I, you know, I, Cancun is a very Haredi place. And, you know, but, but I didn't know. Like, is it good for me? Is it good for my kids? I don't know what's going on. So I said, listen, I got to ask my rabbi and see what this does. I go to my rabbi. He's like, what's, what, what's this? I said, I, you know, I almost wanted to say, want him to say no. I don't know why. But I was like, what's the story? He's like, what's the program? I said, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little more modern for me. I'm not sure, whatever. And he says, okay, so what's the problem? I said, I don't know. Maybe it's a little modern. He's like, is it your program? He says, it's not my program. He goes, so what's the problem? 
problem. So go, whatever. I said, like, ah, there could be things that are not so modest or whatever. He goes, so don't hang out by the pool. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the problem? But he goes, I said, it's Mexico. There is only a pool. There's nothing there. Now, I didn't say that because I didn't know that yet. <laughs> anyway, point is, I'm like, all right, fine. You know what? I'll go. I'll go. Nebuch, I'll go. Right? So I end up going there. What's next? Oh, another one. That's nice. Anyway, do you remember this? And this is, this is beautiful. Anyway, so, okay, what ends up happening? Hashem said no to pieces. I'm in Cancun, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing there? Because it ended up being, you know, they called it, it was like modern orthodox, but I, I think that maybe the, the, it was a mistake. There's a typo. It was just modern. There was no orthodox. Now, what do I mean by that? Of course, there was a continuity of modern orthodox, but there were some people there that was like, I, don't, I didn't look, maybe. But I, there were people in their bathing suits, in the dining room on Yom Tov that were taking pictures. It was very uncomfortable. I'm not saying everyone was like that. I'm just saying everyone was like that. And it was like a very like, okay, it's not true. It's not true. But there were a few like that. This made it a little, okay, then I, and I gave classes. And, you know, I'm giving classes there. How many people are going to come to a class? You know, clearly a lot, uh, you know. There were about 14 people that came to my class. That, that's like, nobody came to the class. It was the craziest thing. But there was a couple that came to every single one of my classes. Dr. David and Nadine Staffenberg. And when he told me Staffenberg, and then he said he knows me, and then I looked back at emails, I'm like, oh, yeah. I know this guy. He's like, as soon as I saw the picture, I realized, you know, you know how it is. You meet someone, you get the name in the beginning, but then you don't really get it. You know, it's like, hey, how are you? Hey, my name is. Hing. Saying, oh, nice to meet you. You know, and you, you don't really want to ask again. And then you start hanging out and then it just gets uncomfortable. What are you going to ask? We're hanging out already. You know, we ate together at the meals. I remember the last day we were standing watching fireworks again for Cloudy. So we were watching fireworks and we were talking. And I even remember him telling me that I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a neurosurgeon, you know, a plastic surgeon. I said, I hope I never have to know you. Right. <laughs> Little did I know. Let's just go back for, you know, for effect. Hashem is setting up the pieces. Hashem is setting up the pieces. The refuah before the Makkah. We're already ready. You understand? We already knew about Yonah's head. We hear about the stitches. We know that doctor. I got Ira in place, and now I know Dr. Staffenberg. And this stuff is getting a little bit out of control. And I'll tell you what I thought about it. And I even told Dr. Staffenberg this when I had the privilege of speaking with him. There he is again. I told him the following. I said, I said you know who you are to me. I want to tell you who you are to me. Many of you are familiar with the story of Yosef and the spices. Chazal go out of their way to tell us something. Yosef is having not such a good day. You understand? He's his own brothers, his own flesh and blood, right? Ani Yosef. And they go and they say, you didn't care. And what happens? They take him and they throw him in a pit. And he's chill. Well, not chilling, but he's in the pit. What's going on here? You understand? And then what ends up happening, let's try to fast forward just a little bit. Then his brothers take him out. Thank God. First, by the way, they threw him in the pit. They had a meal. Yosef's in there. He's like, guys, hey, you guys. And Shimon says to Levi, you know, could you pass the butter? And he's like, what's that noise? And he's like, guys. And then they're like, oh, come out. 
will now sell you to Yishmaelites. And then, and then he gets sold to Egypt. Then he gets sold and he, gets, he ends up in a pit in Mitzrayim for another 12 years. Has anyone ever flown El Al? Have you ever flown El Al? Yes or no? So I just flew out. I want to tell you, it was actually amazing. It really was. The sleeping pills are amazing. And I want to, no, I think I didn't take any that night. Um, no, actually ever. But the, the truth is that it, it can, sometimes planes can be tight. This one happened to be very good. We got the last row, which is worth it on the Dreamliner. Last row, more legroom. But it's by the bathrooms. It doesn't matter. It's good. I'm telling you, it's good. So we got, and you know, in sardines, sit there. How long is the flight? 10 hours. Make it 12 years in a pit. And then what ends up happening? The Zohar goes out of way to tell us. Yosef is taken by his brothers and he's thrown into the pit. And then he's brought out and he's sold to a group of Yishmaelim. And the Torah goes out of its way to tell us that they were carrying spices. Why, were they, why, is it, why are they carrying spices? So Chazal teaches us to, a few ideas that we can learn from this. One is, the Rebona Shalom wanted him to know, you're going through a hard time. You're going through something which is rough. I'm with you. Hashem says, I'm with you. You're having pain. You think I lost you. I, most of the time, these merchants would carry this very disgusting smelling oils. He says, but now they have with them spices, besamen, beautiful smelling spices. Did you ever stop and think about that? You think Yosef is in the pit going, help. They bring him out. Yishmol comes. They're like, come with us. And he's like, no. Wait a minute. Is that Old Spice? Mmm, I feel better. It always bothered me. Really? Everything's okay now because you just put spices? I mean, what are you talking about? The guy's thrown in a pit by his own brothers and he's sold to someone who has no idea where he's headed. And all of a sudden it makes it okay. What are you doing? But when Ira told me what Dr. Staffenberg said, and they said, I can speak with him? And I called him. And he says to me, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, just dandy. He says to me, you know, I've been watching you for the last couple of years, your shiurim online. And I said, well, I've been watching your talks on medicine, of course, you know. (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking it. But I said to him, I want to tell you something. I never understood what it meant with the spices until right now. I'm not out of the circumstance. I'm knee-deep in it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a lot nervous. What's going to happen over here? But I know one thing. Wow. In this darkness, I felt there's a light. In this darkness, I felt like, wow. And I felt, and I told him this, and I hope you remember this. I told him right away. I said, you're my spices. You're my spices. I'm Yosef, of course. But you're my spices. And, and I so appreciate just the fact that you're able to go ahead and I can't see anything because of that light again. Right? So what happens is he goes to say, and I actually wanted to name it. This. I wanted to name it Yosef and the Spices, but now he's like, not a chance. Like, you're not calling this like some religious talk, like Yosef and the Spices. Right? So he's like, no one will come. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so what happens is, what happens, he goes and he says, yeah, great. So I'm like, do you know these surgeons? He says, yeah, I know. Of course. I said, do you know Dr. Magolis? He says, oh, Alex? I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was like a first name Aces here. I'm like, yeah, Alex. Yeah. I was just out to lunch with him for six stitches. I paid for his lunch. <laughs> he goes, yeah, sure, I know Alex. Yeah. 
So I'm like, okay, but should I use this surge and that surge? You know, he says, listen, let me, let me tell you something. He tells me he's coming to Israel. He'll be there in a few months. And if you want, you can go ahead. And, and, but he's going to be going to a hospital in Petach Tikva. I think I got that right. In Petach Tikva. And there's a, there is a plastic surgeon by the name of Dr. Asaf Olshinka. And you can work, that's who he's going to be working with and doing these surgeries in Israel in a few months. And I was like, you know, I can't stop now. Can you do the surgery? Like for my kid. He says, I don't know how your HMOs are. I don't know how your whole you know, medical system is. I said, don't worry. Nobody knows how it works. Like, it's totally fine. <laughs> Trust me. Even they don't know. Just tell them that we are family, you know? He says, okay, you know, let's try to work it out. Let's see what the story is. And I said, all right. Now, I didn't fully understand all the information, but he calmly described to me and explained to me in detail the different procedures and operations that can be done. My head's spinning. I'm taking a little in. I'm a little confused. But all right, these are the two options that were put up, surgical options. Number one is called endoscopic. There's endoscopic uh, surgery, which is approximately one and a half to two hours. And uh, it, could be, it could be 45 minutes. It depends. It's 45 minutes, about two hours, where you make two small incisions in the, by the fontanelle in the front and one a little in the back. And I don't want to go too much into detail, but you lift it up, go in, cut the bone, rip it out, put it back, close it up, and you're good. That's, the, uh, that's one. If you were freaked out by that one, close your ears. The next one is called the cranial vault reconstruction, otherwise known as a CVR. That's from ear to ear, where basically what you do is you make a cut from one ear all the way across to the other ear. And really don't listen if you can't handle this. You basically pull off the face, sell it on Amazon, (laughs) get a new one, hopefully if there's a buy now price. Right, But what you do is you go out and you pull it forward, pull it back, and you basically take out the skull, cut it into pieces, rearrange it, nice little puzzle, while listening to some music, like about Twister or something. Right? And like, like head, shoulder, or the, or the hip bones connected to the, you know, or this bones connected. Which one was it? Oh, oh well. <laughs> and then you put it back in, close it up, good to go. It's a small surgery, about six to eight hours. I wish I would have wrote 68. That would have been crazy. About six to eight hours. Okay, so you have the endoscopic suturectomy. That's the first one. Pros, quicker surgery, less invasive, smaller scars. Cons, you have to wear a helmet for somewhere between four and 18 months, depending on who your doctor is and what they tell you. You got to wear this helmet. You have to wear actually an actual helmet. Okay, I don't know if I want my kid wearing a helmet for 12, four months, six months, eight months. It's a little okay. What's the other one? Cranial vault reconstruction. Pros, no helmet. Cons, longer surgery, more risk of infection, blood loss, and large scar. And I understand. Even within that, what many doctors are careful to do is they cut in not just a straight across, but in a zigzag motion, because if there's a scar, hair can't grow on a scar, but it can grow over the scar. So it's done in a way to try to hide it as best as possible. I know Dr. Stafford told me that if it's a religious boy, he tries to do it a little behind the ears so the payas will cover over it and go to a place where a yarmulke will cover it if it's a boy. And, and if not, then you do it again like the zigzag shape. But, you know, some need it. Some absolutely need it. The question is, which one are we going to do? Which one are we going to get involved with? 
So we're not sure exactly which one should we do. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, we'll do this and we'll do the other one. But, you know, do the one and done. Get it over with. Who wants to wear the helmet all the time? But maybe do the helmet and do the other thing. I don't know what slide is next. Okay. So we end up deciding we're going to go to Schneider's. This is the hospital in Petach Tikva. It's a children's hospital. Excellent hospital. Excellent, excellent hospital. At least what we were involved with was phenomenal. Phenomenal from start to finish. We end up going to the hospital and we meet with Dr. Olshenka. And he starts going through different ideas. We walk in. I said, hey, you know, our name is so-and-so. He says, oh, yeah, you guys are from Jerusalem? I said, yeah. How did you know? He said, oh, Dr. Staffenberg already sent me a WhatsApp. You understand, like, what that does to a person? I said, you don't have a kosher phone? Forget it. Anyway, but the point is, I was like, this is what it does to a person. How does that make them feel? I was like... Well, did he WhatsApp you? I'm glad. Uh, so uh, let's uh, talk, old friend, you know? As if, like, I know, I don't know what's going on. I'm feeling like a million bucks here. A million was back in the day. Like a billion bucks here. I'm feeling like the national debt here, $21 trillion. And we're going, and he starts going through the different ideas. And I said, listen, I would really love if Dr. Staffenberg can do the surgery. I don't want to insult you, but, you know, we're family, you know, and uh, that's my HMO thinks so. So if you don't mind that we can do that. He said, listen, I'll ask the neurosurgeon. He calls in the neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon comes in. His name is Dr. Amir Kershinovich. Yes, we call him Dr. K. And the Dr. Amir, Dr. K. The whole hospital's calling him Dr. Amir. I felt like so like uncomfortable. I'm like, this is like a, a pediatric, no, pediatric neurosurgeon. I was like, uh, Amir. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's Dr. Christian. They're like, yeah. I'm like, I get it, Dr. Amir, right? Okay, Dr. K. So he comes in. And I say, hey, I would really love if maybe Dr. Staffenberg can perform the surgery. He said, absolutely not. I was like, whoa, chill. I thought we're all friends here, you know? I'm like, why not? He said, the rate of mortality is a lot higher if you do it at this age. I was like, well, then I'd rather him not do the surgery. You know, I, I was like, what do you mean? I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. And then he started to explain. And he, re- he was explaining because what, what he thought I meant was to do the big open surgery. But to do the big open surgery, he said, it's better not to do it so young at two or three months. And he's coming when your kid will be three, four months old. You want to wait until the kid's eight months old, nine months old. Be a little safer to do such a thing. So I was like, I thought you could do it at three months. He says, no, that's a different surgery. That's, that's the, the one when you go in endoscopic, the little two little cuts and whatever. So I said, okay, so let's do that. He says, no, you, you can't do that here. I said, well, why not? He said, because you have to wear a helmet afterwards. I said, fine, so we'll do, that. We'll do the helmet. You know, and I, I, at this point, I'm not even choosing which one to do based off which. Uh, I just wanted the doctor to do it, you know, the doctor Stavmer. So he said, no, you can't do the helmet one. I said, why not? He said, there are no helmets in Israel. I was like, there are no helmets in Israel. He's like, they don't have the helmet for the surgery in Israel. I said, okay, don't worry about it. I got this covered. Amazon. Amazon. I'll get a helmet from Amazon. The two doctors in the room didn't a little bit. They burst out laughing. They go, they burst out laughing. They go, you think Amazon? It must be prime. Right? Do you Amazon? I said, well, why, why can't you do Amazon? And he laughed. He goes, this is not a helmet you buy online. 
I said, well, what, what, what is it? He said, this is a custom-made helmet that cost about $5,000 that you have to put the kid through a scanner. You have to get the right size and shape and everything. You can't just do it. I was like, so, so, so then what, what, what does that mean? So what are we going to do? He said, so you have to do the other surgery. That surgery can only be done in a place where they have helmets and they don't have the helmets here, so you can't do it. So I said, okay, so I guess when are we going to do it? So we scheduled the surgery. Surgery is going to be August 14th. Okay. He was born in December. We'll do it when he's eight months old. Fine. When Dr. Staffenberg comes to Israel, we'll meet with him. We'll talk with him. We'll see the baby. And okay, fine. But okay, we'll do it. We'll do it when he's eight months old. What ends up happening? I end up going that weekend. Um, remember, this is uh, December. This is already January 17th. A little bit later, a couple weeks later, I end up going on February 23rd, which is one year ago today on the Gregorian calendar. One year ago, I was on, on a weekend called Project Inspire. And I believe it was in Connecticut. And when I was there, what happened was we were deciding, should we tell our kids about the surgery or not? We should tell other kids. I was like, let's not tell them. Hopefully they won't notice. And my wife was like, are you crazy? You have to tell them, right? And you don't want to shock them. You got to tell them and ease them into it. So we told them. My wife told them. And uh, I ended up going for the Shabbaton. We're, everything's set, August, everything's going to go well, we're doing this, great, we're going to do the big one, right, because you can only do the big one, fine, so he ends up, uh, I get a February 23rd, Matzah Shabbos, I, I open up my email, my wife says, call me, whatever it is, and I call, and she says, we're not doing the surgery, I s- you know, sometimes I'd be like, what are you talking about, but it was just like, I was like, okay, so what are we doing? She said, there's no way we're doing it. I said, why? What, what, what happened? She said, on Shabbos, that my son, Yonah, he came over to my wife, and he was crying. And she says, what's wrong? And she goes, he goes, maze, chotchim et arosh? What, like, what is this? going to cut his head? Aso! It is prohibited. You are not allowed to do this. He doesn't talk like that, by the way. But, you know, but he's Israeli, you know. So he says, you know how to do that? He says, So my wife, she's a woman, and she starts crying. It'll be okay, whatever. And then she goes to speak to our Rav, Rabbi Google. And she starts checking pictures, and she starts looking. Let me make something very clear. If you ever hear of any issue ever, don't look up pictures. Don't do it. You know, it's like looking up WebMD. You know, you look it up or something. You know, um, okay, my head's hurting a little. Okay, you type in, head, head's hurting a little. WebMD, it says, could be a headache. Possible that you've banged your head. Or, you know, you're just feeling under the weather. Or it could be cancer. <laughs> you look up, my finger's hurting. It might be a splinter. You maybe burned yourself or it's cancer. Like, it's everything. And I have a friend whose wife was working for WebMD. She was, she was going to ask, she was going for a job with WebMD. Asked them, why do you say that? And they said, they actually said that, listen, we have to say that so we don't get sued. Because if for some reason, some crazy thing ends up being whatever it is, and the one out of a billion chance we're going to get sued, you have to say such a thing. You look up things that will drive you nuts. She says, we're not doing it. I said, so what are we going to do? He said, it's okay. What we're going to do is that I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to, we're going to do the surgery here, and then I'm going to fly to America in order to deal. We'll get the helmet, and then I'll come back, and then okay, and everything will be good. Now, you have to understand, the helmet, it doesn't work. It's not so simple. The helmet, as the baby's head starts to grow, what the helmet does is it 
in this particular case of sagittal surgery, it puts pressure on the front of the head, on the back of the head, in order to hold it in place after the surgery is done so that the brain can push the head out sideways so that it can end up getting to the proper shape that has to be done. It also protects the baby's head. You know, this is also a very good a practical side point. <laughs> Little kids always banging their heads. Right? So, fine. So, they, that's what we got to do. But as the kid's head grows, you have to shape the, the helmet. You have to bring it to a, a, uh, someone who's known as an orthotist. An orthotist, they, they, they're particular things. They work with amputees and they work with helmets and they work with these type of things. You don't just, you don't just go once. You have to go back every so often as the baby's head grows. How long does that happen? Every three to four weeks. So, at that point, we thought if we're going to do the helmet, it'll be four months Every three to four weeks, probably four weeks, you go back four times. I said, really, who is paying for this? She said, we have this magical card in our wallet that we do every time when you go somewhere. That will pay for it. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. I said, okay, what am I going to say? I said, okay, if this is really what you want to do, then I guess we're going to go out and we're going to do it. So I said, all right. Plan B it is. Cranial vault reconstruction is off the table. We're going endoscopic. We're going to fly back and forth. We, I mean, my wife is going to fly back and forth, get it adjusted in the grade. I said, there's only one problem. The doctor has to agree to this. Who says he's going to want to do the surgery here and have the care done there and then come back and forth? That's a little bit nuts. Does he want to do such a thing? So I forgot to mention one thing. When we were in his office and he said, they don't have helmets here. He said, although they don't have helmets here, yesterday I met with the Mesodabriut, that's the Ministry of Health, and I'm pushing them to open up that you should have helmets here. He had just moved to Israel a year and a half earlier. And as soon as he moved to Israel, he's originally from Mexico and he did a lot of work in, in the United States. And then he moved to Israel a year and a half, now two, two and a half years ago. And he started right away working on making sure he can get helmets there. And he fought and he fought and he fought and he ended up opening in Mexico. He brought the, a, a clinic to Mexico where they opened up and they started helmets over there. So he had some information about this concept. And he says, okay, fine. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and we're going we're gonna, to, you know, if it's okay. So end up, we emailed the doctors and the doctors say, said the following, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. If you're willing to go back and forth, we'll do such a thing. So as I'm on my way back... My wife was talking with someone who works, oh, I work in Asia Torah, and there was a, a woman there named Rezi, and my wife was speaking with this woman, Rezi, and Rezi said, oh, I know someone else that went through something like this, and I, I didn't ask Rishos, so I'm not going to say the name, but, but there was someone else that just had this surgery done. So my wife ended up calling this woman and seeing, like, what's she going to do? Because she was on the fence, just which one should she do? And she spoke to this woman and was like, if you can do the simpler surgery, do it. If you can, it's not complicated. It's simple. And the post-care is very simple. Do it if you can. She said, okay. So she ended up speaking to her. But in the meantime, she goes, okay, so that means I have to go back every three to four weeks. She goes, three to four weeks? Who told you that? She goes, well, that's what it says like in the literature. She goes, yeah, that's what they read in the textbooks. My baby, I had to take him every five days. His head was growing so rapidly. So I come home where it's like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm like, great. She's like, one problem. Like, what is it? She goes, I might have to go back every day. I was like, okay, listen, I'm willing to go. You want to go four times, you know, we'll spend whatever it is, $5,000 tickets. Fine. You want to go back 40 times? Like you might as well not come back, you know, cause you're going to go there, back, there, back. As soon as you land, you have to come back. What's going to be? She says, okay, don't worry about it. We're going to deal with it. We'll talk to the doctor. We go to the doctor. 
So we make our way back to Petach Tikva. This is when I, right when I landed. And he comes along and he says, okay, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm like, doctor. He's like, it's okay, we're very excited. He opens up his files. He starts showing me pictures. My wife is like, ah! I'm like, yeah! Right? And he's showing me how the surgery is done and everything goes in. And he shows all the different things. And I'm like, but there's only one problem. He goes, what's the problem? I said, well, what about the adjustments? He goes, I thought your wife's going to go back every month. I said, what if it's every five days? He goes, no, it's every month. I said, that's textbook. Could it be every five days? He goes, yeah, it could be. I'm like, what about that? And what's going to be? He's not a fast thinker. He, he, he might be a fast thinker, but he's not a fast person. He doesn't respond immediately. He's always thinking. And he says, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll do it for you. This is Dr. Amir doing a little, that's me on the left, my brother. And you can't really see him. Then I'm holding a helmet open and he's adjusting. The, the, he's doing it by hand because they didn't have the equipment yet. He's adjusting the helmet according to what has to be done. Now, I want to explain to you what that means to adjust it. An average person who works as an orthodist gets paid, you know, it's a profession. I did a little research, and I saw that in 2018, they get paid approximately $73,000 a year. Okay, you're making a living. A pediatric neurosurgeon makes somewhere around $643,000 a year. I think Obamacare changed it a little. But all right, they, they, you know, $643,000. <laughs> Tell me. That's like asking a major league picture. I said picture. I meant to say picture. That's like asking a major league pitcher. For those unfamiliar with that analogy, that means someone who throws a ball very fast. To be a bat boy. Usually you're going for surgery. The surgeon goes does the surgery. You come a follow-up. But then you go to the orthodontist. They take care of it. And you come back afterwards to see what's going on. He said, I'll take care of it. Just come to my office and we'll take care of it. And every time we'd go into the office, he'd be like, where's your paper from like the insurance or whatever? And Dr. Amir would be like, just come in. Enough. Just come in. I'll take care of it. And he actually himself went to go and do such a thing because he had the opportunity. Like we said, he ended up going ahead and setting it up. Now, I have to tell you something. Before this kid was even born... Before he was even born. So Dr. Amir said, listen, what's going to happen? I'm going to, you know, I work with a company called Orth America. They're the ones who make the helmets. And, uh, you know, so what happened before the kid was born? Before the kid was even born, my daughter, Shira, she was going to be, she was turning 12 years old, which we call, okay, I just wanted to hear if it's bat or bas. All right, so she was turning bat mitzvah, right? She was becoming bat mitzvah. And she was going bat mitzvah. We're like, okay, listen, you know, what are we going to do for a bad mitzvah? Let's make a party, invite a lot of friends that she doesn't care about, spend money on them, and waste our life. Or, let's go to Disney. <laughs> See, you're not with me. But anyway, we said, listen, we were invited to go for Pesach to a place called Daytona Beach. Understand, again, this is uh, for Hashem. And uh, we're invited to go, and we were going to land in Orlando, you land in Orlando, and then you make your way to Daytona Beach. We said, let's go a couple of days earlier, and we'll go. We'll take the kids around. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll go to Disney. Maybe we'll go whatever it's going to be. So uh, beautiful. We go ahead, and we set it up, and we get to go. That picture is actually our picture. This one's not stolen. This is like a real the one of the pictures. We end up going. We said, we'll go. We're going to get there. We'll have one day to do nothing. We'll just, like, we'll just like acclimate. Nothing. We had nothing to do that day. And then we'll go. We'll check out Disney, whatever it is. So when we go ahead and we end up meeting, if you see, okay, I put on a little weight, all right? But I'm a little self-conscious. It's not black. 
if you could look close, I don't know if I could zoom in, it says on it, Shira's Bat Mitzvah. We just did that for the kicks, and when we're walking in the park, when we're walking by, people are like, Mazal Tov, you know, Mazal Tov. We're like, thank you, thank you, you know, and walking around, and we say, okay, we'll go to Disney. Yes, I'm wearing white sneakers. Anyway, the point is, they're gray, okay? Anyway, so we go out, and we say, fine, we're going to go make our way. And Dr., uh, Dr. Amir says, listen, I'm, the people that I work with, the Orth America, this big company, they manufacture the helmets in a place called Orlando, Florida. So I hope that's going to work out in terms of what has to be done. And my wife would say, like, okay, we knew that and we set it up and whatever. We did, we had no, these tickets we had before he was even born. We had an empty day to do nothing. But apparently that empty day was not to do nothing. Hashem is setting up the pieces. He's getting everything ready. Let's see what's going to happen. So we go ahead and what ends up happening? I end up coming home. And when I come home, we decide, right, this is from the thing, from, from, from Pesach. We, we, we meet in Petatikva and we say, that's it. The surgery is now going to be April 1st. He's born December. He's going to be three and a half months old exactly. Three and a half months old. And that's when we're going to do the surgery. So we decided to go to dinner that night. <laughs> I don't know if everything there is kosher, but... <laughs> But it was good. And the point is that we went to dinner at Waffle Bar in Paran. This is a bad depiction. <laughs> but we went to Waffle Bar and I dropped off my wife. I said, I'm going to go park the car. I come back. She ordered the whole restaurant. Just came back. She said, I to buy everything. We ended up getting the bill. And when we got the bill, it was 613 shekel. Exactly. And when it was 613, I couldn't help on thinking 613. I, I just feel it's like, is this, okay, call me Hasidish. Go ahead. Anyway, so the point is, I was like, 613, another sign. I said, okay, I got to leave a tip. I, I always leave tips. And there's people like, don't, I, I always leave 15%. So I do a quick math in my head. I said, okay, 613, let's make it 600 to a little quick. Let's do the math together. 613, 10% is approximately 60. You take half of that, it's going to be 30. 60 plus 30 is 90. Add one for that little bit over for approximately 91. Afterwards, after I paid the tip, I thought to myself, 91. Kel. Melech Naaman, Amen. Hashem is setting up the pieces. Everything is being put in order over here. Day of the surgery. I love that part. <laughs> Day of the surgery. No, not again. Okay. <laughs> come back next year. <laughs> guys, come on, seriously. Okay, day of the surge. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Now, girls, come on. Anyway, so it goes like this. Yeah? Day of the surgery. The nurses, and you have to understand how much we felt, how calm we were because of Dr. Staff and because of everything learning about it from understanding. And not only that, but this baby was so strong. And I know everybody says their baby is like, oh my gosh, they're advanced. They're so advanced. You don't understand. I said hello, and my baby said, isn't that amazing? So advanced, you know? But this kid was really advanced. I caught him doing calculus. I'm not, I'm serious. No, this kid is really advanced. This kid was pushing himself up from a very young age. It was really weird to see and very smiley. And it gave us a lot of courage. Almost like Hashem was like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. He started cruising and taking his first steps when he was eight months old. This is eight months old. Ten months he was walking already. He's now a year and two months. He drives. 
And it's, 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 it is unbelievable. I just thought of a really good joke, but I, it's too much time. Anyway, the point is, they go ahead and we do the surgery. I don't know what's next. Hold on. Oh, okay. So what happens, we go and we do the surgery. And the nurses comment, they say about us, because my wife and I, it's April 1st. It's April 1st. My wife doesn't remember this because it's okay, but I was messing with her like crazy. I said, listen, honey, um, Dr. Amir said that he wants me in there for the surgery. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, it's, um, it's a big thing that the father makes the cut. And my wife was like, you are absolutely not touching. I'm like, April Fool's, what? 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 Anyway, the point is, it's not Jewish. Okay. Anyway, the point is, I have no idea what the origin. It could be it's like a Buddhist. Anyway, even the nurses commented. The nurses said, we never saw a baby and a couple that was so, that was so, like positive, and the baby says, "Look, this is him. He's smiling in the day of the surgery. He's smiling, and he's he's a big flirt. Mom is a big flirt. You know, he's walking in. The doctor's walking by. He's like, hey, hey, he's laughing and smiling at everyone. The nurse is like, ah, and the, those again, those are the the men and the women were like, oh, everyone's like, this is amazing. It's incredible. Everyone's like so moved by this." And we felt like we won the lottery. I, I know it sounds crazy, but th- and this is my wife's words. She said, I feel like we won the lottery. Because you know what? He could have gone through something which wasn't necessary for him. Now, who knows what will be in the future? We, don't, we have no idea, but we had the surgery. After the surgery, those aren't real. That's, I put those on. But after the surgery, I don't know if you could see the difference, but like this is... You can't see. I wish I had put it side by side. This is even small. He blew up like the Pulsberry Doughboy. I'm like, Hoo-hoo! It was like amazing to watch what happened because all the fluids that he had in him. But he's smiling even afterwards. It was heart-wrenching to see him right after the surgery. We weren't allowed to pick him up. He's in the ICU in the intensive care unit because they have to monitor and see what's going on. But we see what's happening. It's pretty amazing how step by step we see what's happening. Now, now let's, let's take it just a little bit, a little bit further and understand. We go ahead. We ended up getting there the day of the surgery like three hours early, you know, because we were just so like, let's do this, you know. <laughs> the doors are like locked, and hospitals are never locked, you know. It's crazy. So we go there. He has the surgery, and uh, he was the first baby in Israel to have the surgery. No baby ever had the surgery before. Now, he wasn't a guinea pig because these two doctors had just moved to Israel. Both of them had done the surgery in America a number of times. And they worked together. You do the two together. But he was the first one to end up happening it. And, and I want to just make, make sure that I get this very clear. This hospital was one of the most incredible experiences there from start to finish. It was really an unbelievable experience. So we go ahead and we, have, uh, we ended up going to, to Florida. We rented a car. And... Um, those are my sons, uh, two of them. And uh, what ends up happening, we get to Orlando. And right when we get to Orlando, we have to go to get his head. This is a machine which is used in order to make the helmet. This is to, to make sure that we get the helmet correct. And then we did a whole uh, setting on what's going on. And this over here, this guy's name is Tom. He is amazing. 
amazing guy, unbelievable, and this is like the fitting to get everything ready. And then we make our way to uh, Daytona Beach for, for, to do Hashem's work. And now here we are in Orlando, and we went, you know, got it, everything checked, and then it takes about two weeks or, or even a little less till the helmet, but because they manufacture it right there, it ended up taking a lot less time. And we had to go back because Daytona Beach is an hour away from Orlando. So we had to get it checked, and then go and Pesach started, and then we had to go on Cholomoy to go back. It's a good thing that uh, Tom has two offices. One of them is in Orlando, and the other is in Daytona Beach. It's set up before we even get there. You understand? Hashem is setting it up. So he gets the helmet. He gets the helmet. We do the surgery. The surgery is amazing. He does extraordinarily well. There's so much more to say about this. Believe it or not, I'm skipping a lot of the story. There's a lot more to talk about. But we don't want him to look like this, because then he... I don't know if you know what Street Racer is, but the point is that... We don't want to look like this, and it's also a little bit, it's a little awkward. You're walking down the street, and it's like, hi, what's the white helmet? You know, so my wife does all this research, and, you know, with the Rav again, and, and she ends up finding that there's a woman named Paula, a non-Jewish woman, who is living at the time in Seattle, Washington. And I think it was a grandchild of hers that had this, and she learned how to paint helmets and painted in a way that it should look not like a weirdo, but that it should look pretty cool. So we ended up having it painted, and my wife designed the helmet. The front of it is very common, the, where you have those, those goggles over there. Aviator, the suit, did not come with it. That was another $700. But the helmet itself, the paint cost 500 bucks. You have to ship it. We shipped it overnight. Paula stayed up for 14 hours to paint this helmet for us. A non-Jewish woman, she says back, she wrote a message, she goes, this was, she's done over 3,000 helmets. She said, this was the most difficult helmet she's ever done. Most detailed, oh, you don't, you don't really see it so well. On the back, you could see, it says his name, Yoshua. that's on the bottom right corner, it says Yoshua in the colors, and there's like characters, Disney characters, in between each one. On the bottom right, the yellow thing says, under construction. And on the left, there's these dog tags. You know, it's the aviator. And one says, Yehoshua, I own his name. And the other one says, Ayyidish a cup. So what happens is, she's writing, this non-Jew is writing, Ayyidish a cup, Yehoshua, I own. She doesn't know what's going on here. She's like, what kind of name is this kid have, you know? And she sends it over, and it changes everything. Because now this kid is not a Nebuch case. He's cool. And we got on the plane to fly with this. And, like, you know, the guy, the pilot's like, what does he want to sit in the cockpit? You know, I was like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> My wife's like, he meant the baby, right? I was like, okay, but anyway, we go, we start to see this concept about how amazing it was. Go ahead, and they painted it. Oh, you can see it closer there. Right there it is, uh, Yoshua Aaron. So we start, start, okay, now, I don't want to show off, but uh, on Pesach, my family and I are eating with Yaakov Shweki, T4. <laughs> T4. I dropped the T4 there, baby. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I'm a little cry for us again, and... And we're sitting with Yaakov Shweki and his family. For those who don't know who he is, he's a, he's a, he's a very famous Rav and Deal <laughs> son. And uh, we're sitting there, and he's wearing a helmet, and Yaakov's wife, Janine, says, oh, what is the baby, a flathead? 
There's a condition called flathead, plagiocephaly, where the, where the head can be flat. And sometimes you wear a helmet to fix it. So my wife said, no, it's not flathead, it's something else. And have you heard of it? It's called, uh, it's called craniosynostosis. And she goes, craniosynostosis? Do you know so-and-so who's on the program with us, Pesach, right now? We're in, or, in the Daytona Beach. I said, yeah, I know who they are. I don't want to say the family name because I didn't ask Rishos. But there's a family that was on the program right now that the baby also has craniosynostosis. She says, what? I want to speak with them, whatever. We go ahead and we're meeting with them. And we're talking with them in the hotel. This is one in 1,700 babies. One in 1,800. Hi, babies. And as we're sitting talking with them, we're walk- there's someone else walking by. And some- one of the people in the crowd, we go like, yeah, craniosynostosis. And the person goes, did you just say craniosynostosis? And we're like, uh, yeah. And they're like, our baby has craniosynostosis. And I'm like, what? You understand the odds of that are one in 43 to the seventh minus six. I have to ask my son. He does calculus. But the point is, it's, it's astronomical. We're sitting there talking. And not only that, we all three knew each other. We were on a program, Pesach, 10 years earlier. We end up down another one. And here we are all dealing with it. And each one of us had different surgeries done. Amazing. One of them had what's called a Mercedes-Benz. Now, that sounds funny because you think I'm talking about a car. But a Mercedes-Benz is when all of the sutures fuse. All of them fuse. So that requires, uh, that requires a major surgery, right, to open it up. And then I had to end up going to this doctor named Dr. Firan, who's known to be very good. And he ended up doing that surgery. And then kind of was successful. They didn't do it yet at the time. They had done one. It didn't work. They had to go again. Fine. When we're back in Israel and we're sitting with Dr. K, Dr. Amir, we say, do you know Dr. Firan? And he smiles, he looks up, and he goes, sure, I studied under him. And we're like, how everything is coming full circle, how all of us are, are really together. So he graduated. He graduated his helmet in, uh, on his birthday on December 16th, which we know in Hebrew is... <clears throat> and uh, as you can see, hip, hip, hooray, my helmet came off today. And... Um, it looks cute. This took six hours to get a shot. I just want to be very clear. Now, uh, props to my wife because she's a photographer, and uh, she set the whole thing up. That was a pitch, by the way. Um, a little shout-out. All right, so she goes ahead and take these pictures. I have to say a few thank yous, and i got to bring home a very powerful message to understand. First and foremost, I need to thank Dr. David Staffenberg. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this or not, I started by thanking someone more than anyone in this room. Of course, I have to thank, I thank Hashem, which we're going to get to. Don't worry. I have to thank my wife for being, being involved with this. But Dr. Staffenberg lives, I don't know how far. How far is it? Like 15 miles from here. So Dr. Staffenberg, if you can stand up, I want to say thank you so much for Dr. David Staffenberg for coming. Come up and we'll say hello. Yeah. For... For being, for being here tonight, I know he's very shy and he doesn't do any talks, but, but Dr. Staffenberg was, uh, was my, you smell delicious, like spices. He's my spices. And, 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 I, and I have so much at Korosatov and I thank his wife, Nadine, for coming out and, 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 and children for being here tonight. And he's now going to give a 12-hour surgery. Do we have any... Participant. Okay, so thank you very much for coming tonight. Thank you so much. Nothing more than anything. Uh, Dr. Savetsky, Iris Savetsky, if you can please come. He's not here. But anyway, I, I, I did invite him to come. I did. And he, 
I love him, but he, he didn't end up coming. Um, Dr. Staffenberg was there for us, and he, and he answered my questions patiently and calmly and everything. Ira, my, my good buddy who, who I grew up with, he goes ahead and he, he at all hours, I'm, I'm in touch with him. He's a doctor. There's, there's no hours. Right? He goes ahead, and he was basically there. Tom, who's not with us, but it would have been awesome if he would have come. He was a tremendous and force that was going on. This is Dr. Asaf Alshenka, the other plastic surgeon that was, that was involved. He lives in Israel, and he didn't come, but he did go to Disney once. Um, this, this over here on the right side with the white glasses, that's Doogie Hauser. Um, on, no, that's Dr. Amir Kershenovich, who, who was the, the, plastic, the neurosurgeon who was involved. Uh, in the middle is another neurosurgeon that was there. And on the, on the other side is Ella, who was, who, was a, who was a nurse, a ICU nurse, who was involved in so much of this, was so tremendously helpful. There's Dr. Kershenovich again with the baby for PR. Um, and uh, no, <laughs> I'm serious. Anyway. So uh, that's it. And my children, Kanan, who, and you didn't see how much. But my kids, my kids who were so involved in the process, they were so involved in the process that I can't even describe when my wife would get nervous and say, like, what's going to be? What's going to happen? And my kids would be like, what are you talking about? The Rav Chaim gave a bracha. Like, he said longer than bua. You understand? He spoke at the words. It's okay. It'll be good. Like, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And then the, the star of the show, you know, I, I wish, I wish he would have. You know, I wanted my wife to come. I wanted him to come, and um, but unfortunately, you know, it's hard to travel. You know, leave kids at home, whatever. Um, but I, whatever, who cares? Why not? But uh, my wife wasn't a big fan of that, and I said, but I really would love if she would have come. And 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 what ended up happening is that one day I I, I get an email from El Al, and and the email says I signed up to come. So my wife. And my son ended up coming tonight. Tell him the calculus thing you're saying. E equals MC squared. Anyway, so point is that they ended up coming over here. And uh, you don't need the pictures because you have, oh, look at that. It's done. So let me just put that picture back up. We'll keep it there because I'm not really done. But, but, but he basically came out over here with Baruch Hashem. He is doing phenomenally well. And, and thank the good Lord, everything is, is in a tremendous thing. But I want to I wanna bring the whole thing, I want to bring the whole thing full circle. Some people remember because it was a meaningful minute that came out um, when the whole thing started. And, and I said that my son needed Tfilos and and. And there's no question, all these pieces coming together. The Rebona Shalom Hashem is involved in every aspect of our lives. We just don't always notice it. And how apropos it was that my son, my other son with the, with the scare of cranial sinusosis was born in Adar. My daughter Shira, who ended up getting the stitches, was in Adar. Um, that my, my son's surgery ended up being in Adar. And now everything is being rearranged. We, we learn about the story of Purim. And when we talk about the, the concept of vinahafachu, I know this is so cheap what I'm doing now because like no other speakers can do suckers. But anyway, my point is, is that when we learn about the story of vinahafachu, when we talk about the concept how how Kodesh Baruch Hu switches everything around that we think we know what's going on and it looks like a bunch of coincidences. But we start to realize, wait a minute. Hashem is just setting up the pieces. And one day it's going to come around. So we take a look and we see.
how what happened six years earlier and 10 years earlier and five years earlier and 23 years earlier and how everything is put into place and one day earlier and before he's born, we have the tickets made to go to Orlando to make sure that what's going to happen, that they're going to end up being able to have the opportunity to do uh, the, the helmet and it's going to be seen. And then there's another one. Hold on. He's bored. <laughs> he heard this talk before. And that there's another, that there's a, that there's another clinic that's found in the right place at the right time and everything is what it is. And how much I do for Kleisrael in Mexico and in Daytona Beach. And I think because of that, it's close. And when it's a pat, there's so much more to the story. There's so much more that I myself don't even know. There's so much more that I don't even know. But I want to point out something. We're going to learn about in Purim how there's a place called Shushan Habira. And the question is, why was the Malchus, the kingdom, in Shushan? It wasn't found in Shushan originally. That's not where it was. We know that originally it was in Bavel, in Babylonia. That's where the monarchies always were. But they ended up moving the kingdom from Bavel to Shushan. Why did they do that? So Chazal come and tell us a number of different reasons. There's always the smokescreen in the cover story. What came out in the news? They probably came out in the news to say, oh, you know, it'll be better militarily if we did such a thing. You think that's the reason? Uh-uh, that's just a smokescreen. This is a deeper reason. You see, what happened really was is that Achashverosh had an inferiority complex and he wanted a chair. He wanted a throne that was like the throne of Shlomo HaMelech like the kingdom, David He wanted to sit in the throne like that, but he couldn't sit on it, and he knew that. There's a whole reason why he knew that, but he couldn't sit on that throne. If he did, he would get injured. Someone tried once, it didn't work out well. So he had it replicated. The kingdom was in a place called Babylonia. There was a small company, Chairs Are Us. They were located in a little town called Shushan. They build the chair, but the chair ends up being so heavy that they're not able to move the chair. So you know how the old saying goes, if you can't move the chair, move the kingdom. <laughs> Never heard that one. <laughs> if you can't move the chair. So they did. They moved the kingdom. They'd never admit that's the reason. It's got to be militarily. No, but really it was because of a chair. That's not the reason. It's not because of a chair. You've got to dig deeper. You see, why did it move to Shushan? Because there were two people that lived in Shushan. One was named Mordechai, one was named Esther. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did, what Hashem did, is he, he was Masavev Sivuvim. He switched around the entire world in order that the kingdom should end up in Shushan so that Esther should end up being the queen so that the Jewish people should be saved. All the pieces are just being put in place. And we have to say to ourselves, when we start to feel something's going on, number one, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always there. There's always the spices when we're going through, and he's always puts the refuah before the makkah. And we just have to say to ourselves, whenever we're feeling something, it's a little challenging, we say, he's just setting up the pieces. Now, there's so much more I want to share with you, but it's not fair to hold you, but I honestly don't care, so I'm going to tell you one more thing. And then we're going to recap it all and put it into one nice little pill, which you can buy outside for three easy payments. I thought to myself, I really, really 
have to thank my friend Ira because without him, what would have happened? I never would have got to end up by Dr. Stafford, but I really have to thank Jeremy because he invited me to Cancun. But I really have to thank Jeremy's sister-in-law who lives in Renana because I give talks in Renana and she heard me talk there. She told her brother-in-law, he didn't even interview me. He said, just, he said, my sister-in-law said, you're great, you're hired. But I really have to thank a woman named Robin Katz who brought me to Renana in the first place because she came into one of my classes in Isha Torah about nine years ago. But I really have to thank someone named Jamie Cowland who got me into Aish in the first place. But I really have to thank my wife's cousin, Esther, who introduced me to Jamie Calland. But I really have to thank my high school that ended up introducing me to, I, well, there's more to this. I'm not allowed to say certain things, but I, I, I really have to thank, and you keep going back, and I really have to thank the Ribona Shalom. I have to thank Hashem because everything that I have in my life, if you just stop and think for a moment, what do you think you got to where you are today just like this? There was this person that came from that, that came from this, that came from the other, that came from there. And if we were to just stop and think about that, wow, we would come to the hakara of Hashgacha Pratis, of how much HaKadosh Baruch how much Hashem loves us, how much He cares about us, how much He's thinking about us. And maybe we would stop complaining and we would start thanking Hashem so much for all the good that we have in our lives, for all the amazing positive things that we have. My friends, let's put this all together and then we're going to end it. So we started off simply. I'm not going to go through every detail on this one. But we start off simply, very beginning concept. The one is the papping, the baby's born. Ends up with this storyline, ends up seeing, take a look. What happens? As you know, she's in a sofa because of the baby five, six years old. Then we got a little bit further. How do you open the surgery because the 10 is before that? Then we got a little after the doctor's time because five is before that. Ended up with six and then what's happening over there with the Mexico. How does it go there in Mexico? Ira. Ira goes and sects up. What is going over there? I was going to Hashem is setting up the piece, setting up the piece, setting up the piece. Then we go over there. We end up in the dotan. We end up in the thing. We're going to fly back and forth. Don't worry about it. Says doctor's time. I'll do, uh, says Dr. Uh, Dr. Amir Krishnav, he says, I'll do the, the, the things myself. I'll be an orthodist. Instead of pitching, I'll be a bat boy. And, and it ended up happening, and he's doing it just by his hand himself because the cancer don't have the tools yet. Now they're standing up whole system, and everything is going very well. Baruch Hashem, they're now bringing it up, and everything is building slowly but surely, and they're going and building because of the fact that we were so happy to be part of this process, to be the first one to do such a thing. Everyone has to go whatever they have to go through. At the end of the day, come to realize the fact that Akkadis Baruch is setting up the pieces. Thank the, piece, the people that we need to thank recognize the month of Adar that we were just Mekadesh the Chodesh of Misha Nichnas Adar Marben Besimcha start to recognize this in our lives my friends our lives will change if we were to just start to realize Hashem is setting up the pieces that will change everything I have to give one last thank you I said already to Moses I know Acharon Acharon Chaviv is HaKadosh Baruch which I mentioned and I'll say again Ribbono Shalom thank you so much for all the goodness that you've given me and hopefully will continue to give me and every one of us should be thanking Hashem for all the amazing opportunities we have whether we realize it or we don't realize it the things that look like they're good or the things that don't look like they're not so good enjoyed this story? come again bring a friend storiestoinspire.org